Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com's our main website, ClarkDeals.com. We are working it and working it hard. The sales for Christmas are already fully underway. The whole Black Friday idea is gone, although there still will be sales on Black Friday. We're keeping you up to date on Clark deals, on the sales that are occurring even today, and will continue in full force till about the 10th of December when the sales cycle cools off for Christmas, because the people who shop the last two weeks tend to be people that are not price sensitive, who are just trying to get it done. For them, it's drudgery. They're looking for convenience, not low price. People that are into low price, this is your time now till about the 10th of December. Coming up in just a few minutes, and and it's in the Clark Rageous Moment spot, although I don't really feel it's a Clark Rage, I'm going to give you a special warning if you own a high-end luxury vehicle about the possibility your vehicle could spontaneously combust. This is serious stuff. And coming up later still, I want to talk about some things you need to know if you're at one of the places at work where you're going through open enrollment. A mistake that is so common that I want to make sure you avoid. Do you know how many of us get our health care through an employer, either as the employee or as a family member, spouse, or um, what do they call that if you're household partners or whatever, or you're the kids of somebody who works at a company? Roughly half of Americans, that's how you get your health care. So there are some things you need to know, whether you're going through open enrollment or With the Obamacare exchanges open, if you're buying your own policy, what you need to look for. I'm going to talk right now about uh, something that is a just breaking news development, and it concerns travel to Cuba, which has been an ultra-popular destination for Americans over the last couple of years. As of tomorrow... Any travel to Cuba will have to be tightly controlled through an organized group. And visits to Cuba will very heavily veer towards people who go on a cruise ship and sleep on the ship in port. And then, depending on the ship, spend two to three days of time on land in Cuba. But then, no freedom of movement. You must go on one of those tours that are controlled by the Communist Party and the Red Army in Cuba. I don't understand. This is a change from us, not from the Cubans. But really, we're helping route money to the Communist government, which I'm clueless about. Okay, anyway, want to talk about the House proposal to uh, have the new tax bill. And I want to tell you what it's really about. Because I know it's been very confusing. The instant polling found that the American people are overwhelmingly uh, opposed to this tax bill. And that's a funny thing because these tax bills are so complicated that it shows a general lack of trust. 
But I want to tell you what's really going on with this tax bill and why what they're discussing right now in the U.S. House likely is not going to be anything like what will be passed. So here's the real story. The whole purpose of this tax bill is to reduce corporate income taxes for the biggest companies in the United States. Right now, we tax them at 35%. Under the proposal in the House, that'll be cut to 20%. That'll put us more in line with the rest of the world. I believe that the corporate tax rate should be zero, but I'm not your emperor, so I don't get to say that. But the reality is the $1.5 trillion in tax savings is net what that corporate tax reduction is. So the entire thing they're talking about, about the changes they'd make for you and me as ordinary earthlings, amounts to nothing because some people will pay more, some will pay less with the changes being made. But the reality is the entire and only purpose of this is to cut taxes for big companies. And interestingly enough in this, you can see who has the influence in Washington. Entrepreneurs and small businesses under this current house plan will pay far higher taxes than a big corporation. So if I'm an entrepreneur out running my own business or a small business person, the way this tax bill is written, I will pay much higher taxes for being an individual taking my chances out there or an innovator starting a new company or being an entrepreneur with a fast-growing idea, I will pay higher taxes than the biggest corporations that wine and dine and throw money at the members of the U.S. House. Now, that is really loco. But the other thing about it is that we're being lied to about what you would receive as an individual. So what the House bill does is there's some candy thrown your way early in this bill in the first couple of years. And then even if you've seen a tax cut, later it becomes a tax increase. Because remember, this whole thing has to balance out to cut taxes a trillion and a half, and they've already taken that off the table with the trillion and a half for the big companies. So everybody else gets clobbered. So how much more tax as a percent will an entrepreneur pay than a corporation? So the way this has been structured is an entrepreneur will have to pay federal tax of up to 40%, and a big corporation will be capped at 25%. So it's just absolutely not okay where things are now. And it's important that you be aware of that. There are also some poison pills in it for people who want to enlarge their family, where you specifically get punished with additional taxes you will have to pay. As an example, if you adopt a child, that adopting a child will become more expensive. And it's because there's nobody out there looking out for children who are without parents and need a new home. And so the current tax code is tax-friendly to someone who opens up their heart and their home and adopts a child. The House bill actually punishes you 
for adopting that child. And then there are other things involved with how home buyers are treated, that the real estate agents and builders are going crazy about and all that. So I think that the current proposal before the House is not well thought out and is a big fat lie and is mean-spirited to people. Other than that, I think it's great. Because what we needed in the country was we needed a real forward-thinking kind of proposal like we had that became our tax code in 1986 before all the lobbyists took over, which is for several years, instead of having all the shenanigans with the tax code, almost all taxpayers paid a flat 15% income tax. If you were a high-income earner, you paid 28%. No games, no gimmicks. And that's the way we should do taxes, where you don't change what you do, and we don't figure out why we have to have so many millions of people helping us dodge taxes by keeping it simple and clean. And let me tell you, that's not what we've got here. Matt is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Matt. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Matt. How can I be of service to you? Well, I had a question about our company offers um, 401k program, a Roth and traditional 401k, and or, or you can do a combination. And we have employees who have asked me, which should they do? And, and we have employees in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, and I, I'm reluctant to give the advice, partly because I'm not positive based on, I'm not sure what tax bracket they're in and, and sure. what should be recommended or, or what resource should I go to find. And so I thought I would start with you. All right. So as a general rule, the younger someone is, the more they will benefit over time by doing a Roth 401k instead of a traditional 401k. So the people who are coming to you saying, what in the world do I do? If they're in their 20s and 30s, normally they're not ultra high on the income scale, unless these are people who work in the computer field that are making big, big money at a young age. They benefit mightily from doing the Roth 401k because the tax deduction they would get doing the traditional is not valuable enough to overcome the fact that all the money they have in their account and everything it might earn over the next 30 to 40 years will be taxed. So by giving up the upfront benefit tax-wise of the traditional, every dollar they put in grows tax-free and then is spent tax-free by them down the road. So does that imply that 20s and 30s do more of the Roth when you're in your 40s? Do 40s, 40s is kind of on the bubble. Because okay, people in their 40s matter. tend to be higher up on the pay scale, not always, but often, and there's not that many years ahead of them for the advantages of the Roth growing as a big tax-free pile to be a benefit. So often, you mentioned that you have a third option of doing part traditional, part Roth. Yeah. There's advantages yeah. in retirement to having money in a pre-tax pile, and in a post-tax pile. So often in somebody's 40s, it's good to have both. Okay. Unless somebody has saved heavily in their 20s and 30s in a traditional, then there'd be an advantage in their 40s now that they're 
or so many more employers offering the Roth 401k to go Roth and that way in retirement, again, they have the flexibility of both pre-tax money and post-tax money. Okay. In the and 50s, yeah. if somebody is a higher income earner in their 50s, they would likely be better off getting the current tax deduction so that they can put in a higher percent of their pay into the 401k. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And if someone's, even if somebody's in their 50s, they're not earning a lot, they would be better off uh, considering doing the Roth 401k because tax brackets have everything to do with it. Somebody who's a moderate or low-income earner, regardless of age, benefits from doing the Roth. Someone who's a high-income earner, as they get older, they definitely are going to lean towards doing the traditional 401k. And is it Stephen or Stefan? Stephen. Stephen, hi. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. You just found out your mortgage is being sold to somebody who freaks you out. Tell me about that. Well, uh, first, I just want to say I listen to your show all the time, and uh, thank you for your advice, the service you're doing, everybody. Thank you. But the uh, what happened is, is my mortgage has been moved to another bank, a large bank that seems to have a lot of problems. Oh, go ahead and name them. Go ahead. Okay, it's Wells Fargo. Okay. And I'm just wondering, is there anything I can do about that? Because what's your opinion? Because, I mean, I didn't have anything to do with that. Sure. You just watch anybody like a hawk. doesn't matter if it's Wells Fargo that is, as I call them, a criminal enterprise impersonating a bank, that mm-hmm. with any transfer of a mortgage to a new servicer that's where a lot of problems occur and payments not being properly recorded balances not being properly recorded and what i'd like for you to do do you get a monthly statement from your existing mortgage lender yes so on there it tracks your balance i always want you to check up on their work and if you go and search online there are lots of people who do this Print out your own amortization schedule for your mortgage, and then you can track the balance they show on the coupon versus what your amortization schedule shows you should be at. And these are available free on the internet. You put in the date your mortgage started, your interest rate, and you're able to check their work. Okay. And so the the advantage of that, particularly when a loan is sold, like yours has, the servicing's been sold to Wells, is that even not out of um, a bad intent, they just mess up clerically when when loans are sold. And so that's why you want to check it out while it's happening in the months immediately after, because the greatest problems will occur quickly after a loan is sold. And... The sooner you notice and the sooner you complain, the more likely it is it will be fixed properly. This is normally the spot for the Clark Rageous moment. This is really more a safety alert than a Clark Rageous moment. It concerns BMW cars, 1 Series, 3 Series, and 5 Series, manufactured over a number of years from 07 to 11, that over a million for passenger cars and sport utility vehicles 
are in danger of spontaneously combusting. And this is according to information from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And BMW is going to start telling owners about just before Christmas. Merry Christmas. So if you are a BMW owner of typically their 1 Series, 3 Series, and 5 Series vehicles, the main recommendation right now from BMW, and they're not notifying owners of this that I'm aware of yet, is that you do not park yours in a garage if yours is one of the affected ones from 07 to 11. The reason is, even after the car is parked unused for as long as a week or more, it can still suddenly spontaneously combust. And at Clark.com, we'll have full information for you on which models of the BMW specifically are affected. It's my pleasure to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clark.com slash ask. That's where you go to ask me a question. And by the way, you can get your questions answered off the air for free, more than 40 hours each week, uh, Monday through Friday only, though. And if you go on Clark.com, scroll down a little on your phone or if you use a laptop or whatever, you'll see the phone number and hours available for off-air advice. Now, we will not be available for off-air advice the week of Thanksgiving. I know that makes us terrible people. Why are we not working? I mean, all these people in retail, it's the busiest work week of the year. Why aren't we doing it? Well, we're not. Because <laughs> everybody needs time to have off, right? So right in the middle of open enrollment for roughly half of the American people who get their health coverage that way. And then we've got like another, what is it? 5% or so of people who buy their health coverage on the Obamacare exchanges. And so making the right choice gets very difficult because it's really confusing with what the premiums would be. Let's take the employer-provided plans, what you pay in premiums per pay period, and what deductibles you have, what doctors are included, what hospitals you can go to, all of that, blah, 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 blah. It gets to be something that the choices are enough that we basically shut down and we just glance very quickly and we make a choice. And if nobody gets sick all year long, then who cares? But often somebody will get sick. And so it does matter. And it's worth taking the time to look through the benefits package that your employer offers either in printed form or online. Now, the number one mistake people make in selecting a plan, if your employer gives you a choice, is selecting the one with the lowest deductible you have to meet each year. But that may not be the best choice for you if your employer does, in fact, give you choices. Because... One, it may be one that restricts you even going to see the doctor you like to go to as your primary care doctor, or if you have a chronic condition, seeing the specialist that you see for that. But also, the premium difference that you're paying going into the lowest deductible choice in an employer-provided plan 
well, you may pay so much more in premiums. Let's say you get paid every two weeks. You can multiply out the difference between the low deductible offer, let's say, and a mid-deductible or high-deductible, and you can figure out how much you pay, how much you save by going with a higher deductible instead of a lower one in what you pay in payroll deductions. And this is weird, but do you know many times you will save more in what you pay in in payroll deductions than that difference in what the deductible would be over the course of a year. It varies by plan. But don't just make the rote choice, which most people tend to do, and go with what appears to be the lowest deductible. You know, depending on the freedom of picking doctors, if that's an important factor for you, you need to take the time to look through the plan options. And again, I'm speaking of a privileged position because a lot of people work at places where you've got one plan. There's no picking and choosing for you to do. But others will give you a choice. In particular, one that really confuses people is when you have an HSA-eligible option. HSA plans, health savings account plans, have really solid coverage for you after you meet your deductible each year. And that solid coverage may be better than what's available in a more traditional deductible plan. And then it comes with the bonus that you can put money aside in a tax-free health savings account with the added thing that a lot of employers would give you some cash to go right towards the deductibles you have on a high deductible health savings account HSA eligible plan. So if I've just made the circuits in your brain start to go haywire, as I've talked about the, the, vari- the variables involved in picking a health plan, I think the overriding point is don't just pick one in 30 seconds like most people do. Take time to really study the options because it's an enormous privilege half of us have that we are afforded health coverage through our employers where our employers heavily subsidize the cost of that coverage. And so this is an enormous benefit that you want to make sure you use as efficiently as you can. For individuals, different issue. If you're an individual having to buy your own coverage, things work very similarly to how they've worked on the exchanges the last several years. The difference is because of questions about uh, payments that are likely not coming from Washington this year to the health insurers, premiums may be significantly higher. And you may find you need to trade down in plans in order to afford the premiums that you'd have to pay as an individual. And one area you should look at is that the if you're buying your own individual plan, they're color-coded, bronze, silver, gold, platinum. Most people buy silver. But within silver, there are enormous differences in premiums from one provider to another if you live in an area where you have multiple providers you can choose from. Some people live in an area, particularly more rural ones, where there's only one 
provider you can go to. But if you live in an area where you have a choice of plans, silver's kind of the sweet spot. You may have to accept a lot more restrictions on who you go see and what hospital or hospitals you can be treated at. But know that the price differences from one plan within a color band to another can be huge. Ryan's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ryan. Hey, Clark. How are you doing today? Great, thank you. You're moving into a new apartment. Yes, that is correct. How big's it going to be? It's going to be, I think it's a thousand, I think almost eleven hundred square feet. You know that's huge by apartment standards now. Yeah, yeah. We we got a two bedroom, two bath, so it should be a good, you know, good size for us. Great. Well, how can I be of service? So my my biggest this is actually be uh, the first place that we'll be moving into. So just you know saved up for my parents' place and then uh, you know saved up as much as I can. And so we got the place, but then you know we want to fill it in, but not fill it in too much. But just want to see you know what we have available as far as a TV, a couch, what's the best uh, bang for our buck, and everything. So a lot of people uh, get squeamish about the advice I give here when it comes to upholstered furniture. But it works really well for any kind of uh, tables, um, any kind of accessories like nightstands, anything like that. Buy your furniture as much as you're willing to used. Because furniture goes for about 10 cents on the dollar, used versus new. Gotcha. And the reason well, where, where is, is that... Recommend, yeah, go ahead. The reason furniture goes for nothing used is that It's one of those items that people talk about how much value a car loses when it leaves the dealer lot. Furniture is that times a factor of five. I mean, furniture has Mm. basically no market value after it leaves a furniture showroom. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, uh, One of my brothers... Yeah, so one of my brothers did this. He moved after living in Arizona. He and his wife lived in Arizona 40 years. And they moved to Maryland for a five-year period. And when they moved, they moved with nothing. And he, for days, was going around picking stuff up he was buying on Craigslist. And he was able to completely furnish. Their apartment was smaller. It was like 800 square feet. But they were able to furnish the entire place for less than $1,000. Oh wow! So yeah, uh, they're also the craziest thing is the the scams nowadays. Right, really right. Bad. But remember, the scams are mostly affecting sellers, not buyers. Where somebody tries to con them, and uh, an alternative that is safer than Craigslist, though, for buyers and sellers, are neighborhood Facebook groups. True. Yeah, I know my mom talks about those a lot, but I haven't really looked into them too much. So my wife is always sending me with our old van to go pick stuff up that she's bought from somebody on a neighborhood Facebook group. We have two of them that sell furniture with different rules. And so we have a a big amount of the furniture we have in our home is stuff that we bought used on the Facebook pages. Okay, yeah, then I could definitely look into that as far as the community that we just went into. So I could definitely check out and see if they have any Facebook groups here. Now, the one thing that, as I mentioned, is buying upholstered furniture. 
A lot of people are creeped out by sitting on somebody else's sofa. Yeah, that that was one thing that, you know. Right, so here's my thing on that. Here's my thing on that. If you ever travel in hotels, you're sleeping on a bed. This is going to gross people out. Anyway, you're sleeping on a bed that hundreds of other people you'll never know have slept on that bed. Every day. And the sofa that you sit on or chair in there, hundreds of people have sat on those. So that's how I get past them. So up to you to think about how you feel about that, Ryan. But there's nothing that beats buying used. But my, what I love, my brother Gary did. He was buying, some of the stuff he was buying was used Ikea furniture. Ikea furniture is cheap to start with. He was buying Ikea furniture so cheap that I think the gas he spent to go pick stuff up was higher in cost than what he was paying for some of the stuff he bought. And then he and his wife left Maryland, Ryan, and now they have no house. They just go wherever they, they go just rent Airbnbs wherever they feel like being. And he went and sold the stuff just like he bought it. So people bought his used stuff from him in a lot of cases for what he had paid for it five years before. Will is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Will. Clark, good afternoon. I appreciate you making some time for me. Absolutely. Will, what's happening with your credit cards? Yeah, so I made a career change about three years ago, and in the process, I obviously still had my living expenses and and such that go with that. So I pretty much financed my new career through my credit cards. I, I know it's less than ideal, but it was kind of a necessary evil and in doing so, my my rates or I my uh, credit rating have taken some pretty substantial hits. And do you know what your score is now? Yeah, I actually just uh, got a score from one of the companies, and and I'm fortunately down to to six sixty eight. Okay, six sixty eight's not a disaster, but it's not outstanding, as you know. Right. So have you been delinquent on any of the cards, or is it just the absolute balance you have that's devastating your score? It's the latter. I've managed to pay the minimums or pay more than the minimums. However, like you were mentioning, it's just that my my amount due to available credit ratio is is obviously uh, pretty, pretty high. And what kind of interest rates are you paying on the cards? Uh, you know, they're mostly in the 11 to 13 range. That's fantastic. That's actually uh, great. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I have a, I have one from one particular company that's, that's in the 20s. Um, right, so that one, are, are you earning, now that you've made this career change three years later, are you earning enough money to start beating these down, balances down? Yeah, so that's kind of the the crux of my question is is that I I'm basically in in sales and so I have a have a big commission coming to me shortly and my question w- was do I basically take as much as I can and throw it all at, at the credit cards as much yes. as possible? Does that yes okay. completely and start with the one that you said was in the twenties. Mm-hmm. Will you have enough bonus money to just wipe that one out? Yeah, I mean, theoretically, I could I could wipe almost all of it out. All the credit card debt? Yeah. Go for it. Do it. 
Because okay. even though you're living life without a net then, because you're not putting that money aside in savings, right? so what? I mean, there's no real advantage to having a savings account earning 1.3% versus paying a credit card interest rate that probably blends out at 12 or 13%. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you take that bonus, take that windfall, and every month after that, the minimums you've been making on the credit cards you can then start using that to build up a rainy day account. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so uh, tear the debts apart first and then worry about the, the rainy day emergency fund. A hundred percent. And congratulations to you. You've managed to go through a career change, uh, stayed current on all your debts, and now you're in a position to wipe out those debts. That means the guts you had to make that career change absolutely paying off for you carolyn's with us on the clark howard show hi carolyn how's it going great carolyn uh, you have seen a pitch for not having to pay for television just by buying a box what are they promising you get on the box you buy they promise that i'd get everything for the life of the you know, you don't have to do a contract or anything. You just buy the box and attach it to your TV. So that and is true. Everything is free. That That is true. But guess why it's true? Because <laughs> it's too good to be true. Well, it actually is true, but you're stealing. It's a pirate box. Uh-huh. See, that's what I wondered. So there are all these pitches right now, and I saw an estimate. I don't know where they came up with the figure. They said 6 million American households are using pirate boxes now. And -hmm. what people do is they program them to steal pay TV content. Okay. And unlike with the music years ago where people were being very heavily prosecuted, I'm Mm -hmm. not aware of anybody being prosecuted for stealing TV, pirating TV, but it doesn't mean that it's legal to do so. Okay. So stay away from all of those. Yep. If if you don't want to be stealing, you stay away from them. And there are other people who don't have a problem with that, and they're buying these boxes. And that is their choice, and it's your choice as well. The good news is that buying TV services are getting cheaper and cheaper. This is the Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters, Clark Daily, Clark Deals, and Travel Escape. Sign up now. You'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think I'm wasting your time. Go to clark.com newsletters.